Down and down again. I got so high, left my frown in the wind. Hard, I tried, never try it again. Cause these niggas is lying again. I'm a black lion, I roll like a tire. Girl, in my dreams, I don't sleep, I don't find her. If they sleep and they need a reminder, this is for niggas who think we minor. What is up, everybody? Welcome to your Double Up Wednesday. I don't know, I just made that up. That sounds horrible, though. Um, Sounds like a STD. Um, <laughs> but um, no, welcome to. Uh, one of the last two weeks of our September Wednesday AEW shows <clears throat> It's been fun And I've loved the feedback I've gotten I've gotten a ton of great feedback As we have now moved to 24,000 listeners a week uh, Between both shows That's fucking awesome Thank you so much for that um, But yeah um, let's. Here's the thing we officially are now in the reboot phase. All Out was supposed to be start of the new year. The scrum happens. We've already documented that. Let's move past that. Tonight was the night of, yes, some predictability. I can't deny that. Um, but tonight was a night where three years ago, I remember seeing the acclaim for the first time. Didn't know what I was looking at. Didn't care about them. And the thing that got me on notice was how much TV time these guys were getting. Because they weren't just like, yeah, their record was inflated because essentially they were like the Goldberg of AEW. The difference is you could see their matches that they were having on Dark, but you actually had to want to watch Dark. And before I knew it, I remember one time I saw their record, it was like 88 and 4. 55 or some shit like that and I remember like wait a second these guys are like 88 wins and we're giving credit to Sheeta for being 50 wins like it was just fucking weird and I remember vividly saying like what do they see in these guys you know I just I just didn't see anything and then Max Caster had the line when it was him and it was the claim versus uh Moxley and Kingston and he said she's hitting me up for some oral sessions and I said oh, okay he's, he's got some lines and so, uh, the, the next thing you know, they're still just going. Like, if this felt like a real-life WWE 2, I mean, well, I don't know what the game is now, but I remember the, the, my career mode a long time ago in those games, dude, you just be kind of floundering, fighting the same people, you know, losing, winning, whatever, and then you might get their championship like three years in or something. And this felt like a real life version of earning your spot, earning your respect, getting your respect. Um, and tonight we saw a reboot of everything. Think about this. Think about this. FTR have been number one contender since April, as they mentioned. They have been. They have not gotten an AEW World Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. But they have three other championships they have to defend. So they can't just be the hunters because they are being hunted. So you've had, in that time frame since April to now, you've had three different tag teams hold those tag team championships. Actually, no four now. We've had Swerving Our Glory. We've had the Young Bucks. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Now the Acclaimed. So now you see this culmination of the acclaimed 
earning their spot. And what actually credit to, to credit to creative them putting the gun club together. It was the most random thing. I didn't understand it. And I began to like I said on this very podcast. Yo, I'm starting to like these guys together. It's kind of dope. Then you break them up. And then their claim becomes baby faces. And it, it was just magic. And now you have swerving our glory at a crossroads now. Because you've seen them being pretty pissed off. They got, they got screwed. They got screwed. They didn't lose clean. And now what do you do with them? Do you turn them heel and have them beat the fuck out of your claim? That's what I would do. A pissed off Keith Lee, whole oh, sweet Jesus. And then it's how that thing about how crazy this is. You can still have these two turn on each other because Swerve is the one that they were booing. They were they weren't really booing Keith Lee. So now you have this whole thing where the tag team division's wide open. Yeah, FTR is no more contenders, but and they said they want to cash in, but now you have Gun Club coming for their ROH tag team championships. Right? There's no you have Diamante getting a TBS championship match this Friday on Rampage. Legitimately, the only people that are, can be challenged for that TBS championship are c- people from outside the company. The same way Roman Reigns is a problem for WWE right now, the TBS title has a serious problem for a is a serious problem for AEW. There is no viable challengers now. If they wouldn't have done what they and I get it. They they were it's a five hour pay review. Everyone can get twenty minutes. But Athena reminded me, and I already knew how good she was because I remember seeing her matches in NXT, reality of wrestling, where she came from, which was Booker T's uh, podcast. Uh, I mean podcast um, wrestling promotion. I remember it. I, I just dude, I just forgot because she just doesn't get showcased very much. And this this is not just an AEW thing. This is an overall thing where she wasn't being showcased in WWE either after she left NXT. And tonight she showed the fuck out. But she's already lost to Jade. But you legitimately have no challenges for that TVS championship. Who's next? Because Diamante's losing. Don't know. You have Wardlow and Samoa Joe wrestling the same people. There's no viable contenders for their championships. You legitimately have Moxley, who is the heart and soul of your company, heart and soul of wrestling right now, legitimately a transitional champion to get the title to MJF. That is the only title we know is going somewhere. And I want to talk about this before we get into Dynamite. We know the AEW World title is going. To me, once that title goes to MJF, you need to reheat up and not in the microwave. You need to reheat up in an oven. Warlow, because that means he would have been the last person to have defeated MJF soundly, cleanly. And you could have a TNT championship feud versus MJF. You could have MJF screw, use the firm to screw Warlow out of that TNT championship. But you got to heat his guy, you got to heat this guy back up. He has to get reheated up. We saw a shocker earlier today with a new. ROH World Heavyweight Champion, which I have I have a lot of thoughts of why they did that um, in a second. But this this felt like a reboot. Yeah, no Elite, no CM Punk. This was... Shit, dude. I don't even think we saw... Did we see any AEW, like, pillars or originals on this show? I don't think so, dude. 
I think he saw a lot of ex-talent from all over, not just WWE people, but all over. And you had five championship matches. Um, not all of them delivered, in my opinion, but you also saw the the, the for as much as there's restarts, you saw the the, uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? We saw feuds that are going to continue. So, to me, this is the reboot. Now we are in officially the new year without the drama. And what will they do? Because once they make that transition, I'm assuming at Revolution, to MJF. He's going to have that championship for a while. Now, what I think needs to happen in order for it to not just be so one-sided. Because to me, the problem I think I've had with all of Moxley's AEW World Championship run so far is nothing he's done. It's been the way he's kind of... So he lost clean to CM Punk at All Out, and I get that. But if you look at... Look, first of all, he's a three-time world champion. I know Punk's a two-time champ. He's not getting anywhere near that championship ever again. It's going to be a long... It's going to be many, many years before someone touches three times as AEW world champion. It's just... It's just it just is. There's too many people to give a chance with that championship just to be passing it back and forth. There's Moxley, we knew who was going to win this tournament when Moxley was called back after not going on vacation and essentially postponing this vacation to fill in again, to once again do what Tony Khan needs. And John Moxley's had a hell of a year. Like, he, like, like legitimately... He comes back from rehab, gets into a feud with Brian Danielson, defeats Brian Danielson at Revolution, tags with him. We've already done this already in this tier. Then he's just going to be in tag team matches like for the rest of the summer. That's how it was going to go. Punk gets hurt. Moxley gets the dream match with Tanahashi, the AEW interim championship, which makes him the first ever, which I didn't know this. See, here's the thing about interim titles, which I think is kind of funny. Technically, I still think that makes him the first ever two-time champion, but I guess technically, I don't know. Like, I think he was still being a two-time champion. I think they will just unify the titles, but he then squashes CM Punk, main events all out, which 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 was not part of the plan, obviously. Lose the title, gets put back into a tournament to re-win the title that he probably shouldn't have lost. So makes him a three-time world champion. He's he's not losing that title anytime. Uh, he's not. No one's reaching that. Uh, excuse me. No one's reaching three times anytime fucking soon. Anyways, so to me, this was the heart reset that AEW needed. We're away from the drama. We have a new signee, and we we just need to um, get back to basics. And this felt like that. And I'm excited to see where this goes because outside the World Heavyweight Championship. I don't know where you go. And to me, Jay Cargill is, which they clearly had plans for her to have that title for a while. Statlander gets hurt. She felt like the only real threat. Now, Athena and Cargill, for the five, six minutes they had, they look good together. I would try to heat Athena up. Now they've made the decision what they're doing with Jamie Hayter. I would try... To heat Athena up to re to get a shot at that TBS title again at Revolution, 
and I'll put that title on Athena. That's I, I dude. The last time I can remember a, an Athena match was in fucking NXT, and I, I think it was when she won the championship. I, I think it was like a four-way match. I remember she nailed Peyton Royce with the the, the eclipse, the stunner off the top rope. Peyton Royce sold it like death. Was it Peyton Royce? Yes, Peyton Royce sold it like death, and she pinned her. I can't remember who was an it was an Asian woman in the match. What was her name? Kyrie Sane. Um, then she ended up falling victim, I think, to was it Oscar? I think Athena lost the belt to. Either way, bottom line, um, I would do that if I was them. But they have a uh, they have a TBS title problem. They do, um, and I don't know what you do with it besides besides that. But uh, anyways, let's get to dynamite and we have more, more thoughts. So the surprise of the night. First of all, let me say something about Chris Jericho. I'm a huge Jericho fan. Anyone knows me knows this. Um, and I remember, and I thought about this story as because I went to go get something to eat after Dynamite instead of just like recording. I said, let me eat something before everything closes out here. And the person that got me into bas- watching basketball was Shaquille O'Neal. And I remember as his career started winding down, I stopped caring about basketball. Like, I had a love for I used to watch it all the fucking time. And I remember seeing Shaq in his later years, and it just looked sloppy and lazy. He's a man. He was just, hey, I was, all, I was being offered millions of dollars to still play. Why wouldn't I do it? Not mad at that at all. And I remember, what, a year and a half ago, when Jericho was quite big. And I'm not worried about his physique, because he still has six-pack. But he looked unhealthy. Like, you could see in his face, the same way you could see in Moxley's face. And, and it's like it's funny because I, I know when I'm like I know when I'm having like bad days because my face will get like extremely fat and bloated, and I have to then like say okay what am I doing wrong right? And I remember he just he it wasn't just his he it was he just his in ring work looked sloppy, and so I remember vividly um, saying to myself, man. I hope I'm not saying Shaq with Jericho. I remember saying it to myself. And I was like, man, I don't know how I feel about this. And I've always called Jericho the P. Diddy of professional wrestling. Because he always finds a way to stay relevant. He always finds a way to reinvent himself. And I'm I'm like, man, I don't know how I feel. But I will say since... I will say since he started that feud at Kingston, and once we got into the summer months, he's clearly had a, a rejuvenation. Now, obviously, look at the talent he's been facing. Like, he's legitimately fought everybody in the Blackpool Combat Club. So it's hard to not look good with all those guys. But this, this has made me very happy to see this Jericho. Yeah, he lost a step. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. He's 50. But he looks good. And I'm happy for that. So, this match was better than I thought it was going to be. And I wasn't looking forward to it. And they put it on first. And to me, it knocked out the park. And you had Claudio with his, what, sixth title defense. He's had the title for two months. And Jericho cheats to win. But he becomes an ROH champion. And he is now an eight-time world heavyweight champion. If you think about the gold that Jericho's had, 
People forget. They remember that undisputed championship run in WWE. He's also a former WWE champion. Because that was canon before they united titles. And I think he I think he, yeah, he defeated the Rock. He cheated. And that's that was the match where he nailed uh, Rock with... Uh, at the time, he was using the Skull Crushing Finale. But it looks so terrible, dude. Like, Miz's Skull Crushing Finale looks much better. But Jericho's looks so sloppy and ugly. He was trying something different. And Rock, at the end of the match, handed Jericho the chair to say, hey, I, we both know what you did, right? He didn't have to tell for long. But he is a former WCW World Heavyweight Champion. That was his first world championship. It's not as talked about because the Invasion Era is not as talked about. The Invasion Era is talked about more for the 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 flubs and the mistakes that were made rather than the, there were certain moments that happened. And maybe we could do a... Uh, a video about, uh, not video, a uh, podcast about that one day uh, when I'm not so busy. Um, and so he is a former WWE champion. Then he became an undisputed champion, WWE champion. That made him a two-time champion. Then he ended up winning the World Heavyweight Championship against Shawn Michaels in that ladder match. No, was that a ladder match? Yeah, it was a ladder match. I think he won it one more time. And when and when they say eight-time world champion, here is where things get murky for me, because those are the, the four world title reigns he definitely had in WWE. Obviously, he's a one-time um, AEW champion, which is six. One obviously one time he was a uh, one-time. I said five. Um, I meant five. One-time um, now RH champion, which makes six. I don't know where the eight comes from. And actually, matter of fact, let's look. Let's let's do what we like to do. Let's look this up. Because I'm not sure where that comes from. But let's just look. Where's where's Wikipedia at? The good old Wikipedia. Here we go. So let's see. Because I only count six. But other people have told me it is eight as well. It's like I asked when they kept saying seven times. I was like, I don't know where that that seventh had come from before. God damn, his Wikipedia is fucking too long for this shit. Oh, this is annoying. I had to back out his Wikipedia is way too long. Um, I had the wrong one. So, come on. There we go. All right, here we go. Championships. So, this is a six-time world champion with the big gold belt. See, it's all I got was six. I never got seven. Well, excuse me. I mean, when did he become a six-time world champion, though? That's interesting. I need to... We need to look this up. Big gold belt. All right, history. I am definitely interested to see this this now, like who he defeated for it, because I'm actually really, really confused right now. So he had two WC. Oh, see, when they unify, they kind of as two. Makes sense. There you go. Anyway, so they had a banger of a match, him and Claudio. Uh, a nut shot and a, a Judas effect, and Jericho gets the win as now 
that's more gold or gray that is around the waist of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, Daniel Garcia did not seem too happy with this win, cheating. Um, still don't know where that storyline is going. That's actually going much different and much longer than I expected. But here's my thought on it. And I haven't seen anyone mad about it, so that's interesting. I think the reason they put that World Heavyweight title on Jericho, I think they're close to an ROH deal, or they've gotten the ROH TV deal. And I think to have Jericho be on those first shows, I think is the goal. And that can draw some ratings, just to get things going out the gate. And you can have Claudio Chase to become a two-time champion, or whoever you want. Uh, Claudio, I think, is obviously the guy because he got fucked over here. But I think that's the reason they put that ROH whatever champion on, though. So, But this was a good match. And um, I liked the commentary. I loved how the the ROH announcer said, hey, this was a dishonorable win. And I, I loved that that play on it. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but this was a banger of a match to start out with. Next up were the Acclaimed. As the Acclaimed and, uh, and Swerve in Our Glory would go... For the second time, this was nowhere near as as good as their first. Nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. There was, there was a couple um, botches here, but they there was no way they could live up to it, honestly. It was just the surprise of the night. And not that the, not that the acclaim were over, but that they, they had that match. And there was too many stories being told. Like the acclaim came out with DJ Who Kid. Uh, Swerving Our Glory came out with Fabulous. Um, it was, it was an interesting affair. Like I said, this was their moment, but once again, no, not clean winner. Two matches in a row, not clean winners. Um, there was a punch from Bowens. He, he, he didn't throws, um, swerve into Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn hits the famous on the outside and they throw him on the inside. The, the, the acclaimed one, um, this is not over. Like you could see Swerve's face. He was in shock. Yeah, like he and, and and Keith Lee did not see what Billy Gunn did, so this can lead to a. I don't think it's going to lead to a third match between the two, but this can lead to them be turning heel because you see Keith Lee, like Keith Lee looks pissed, and and I don't know what they're going to do, and maybe this could be like, hey, one of those things where maybe they claim lose those titles quickly, and they have to get back on the chase. I don't know what you do with it. Um, I don't think it's smart. I don't think it's what to do. But this was the end, the ending was more intriguing to me than the match because you kind of knew Swerve was gonna take the fall because he's the one been the one so braggadocious. But when you see the footage at the end, I wonder what the follow would be to this because I think they I don't think Swerve and Arcloy can let this stand with Billy Gunn screwing them over. But think about that: two straight matches and championship matches, two straight title changes, and two straight non-clean finishes. That was very fascinating to me. And William Uta came out. Uta came out. I see. I can't say it. Uta came out to cut a promo, and then MJF cut him off. And those two had a back and forth for a little bit before Uta smacked MJF. MJF ended up headbutting Uta. Uta then pulls him down. They start beating him down. Then William Morrissey comes out, starts choking out uh, Uta, and then MJF does whoa. He pushes Tony Schiavone down. He he nails Uta with the the battle bowl ring. Yes, I know. I keep calling it that. I like that name better. And he just kept hitting Shivani. I, I will say this. MJF is begging people to not share for him. Like, legitimately, 
He is begging people, please do not cheer. Oh, you guys want to cheer for me? I'm going to do some dastardly shit. Keep putting hands on Tony Schiavone. Holy shit, that got booze. That was, and it was surprising. I did not see that coming. I was like, ooh, that's um interesting, you know? And so um, this is just like, this this is why he brought the firm on. And so now it's funny how the Blackpool Combat Club, they've never fully gotten rid of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Now they're, it looks like, looks like they're going to be in a bow with the firm. Like they've been the hot, they've been the, the premier face stable this year. And it's like they just have people coming at their heads left and right. So for all the success they've had, they've had to, they've had to earn each and every single moment of that success. This next segment was kind of cool. Uh, Jay Cargill was uh, bragging, and then uh, Diamante came out, and they had brought Trina out. It was sort of, it went, a night of rappers, because Trina is the baddest, and and so uh, this this was pretty cool. Good to see Trina. Next up was the All Atlantic Championship, Pac, the Double Champ versus Orange Cassidy. I was a very much a proponent of Pac keeping that. North Atlantic, North Atlantic, that All Atlantic Championship, and I, I saw a lot of people saying that they thought Orange Cassidy was going to win. I said, well, maybe it's his time. He, he's definitely one of the most overacts. He's definitely one of the people. And I said this just two weeks ago. Think about all the pillars of AEW that have never held AEW gold: MJF, Orange Cassidy. Like these people have been crucial to the success of AEW, and they've never held a major championship at all. And so, this was interesting, because Pac has gone on record saying how much he annoys him, uh, Orange Cassie annoys him, and he was like, you're not on my level, and this, that, and the third. I remember saying, I said, okay, this is interesting. And uh, the three matches they've had, including tonight, this is the first time Pac has had to cheat to win. A third straight match without a clean winner. We don't see this very often in AEW. We usually see a lot of clean wins. This was very interesting to see three straight matches of not clean. And Orange Cassidy comes on the outside. Pac is on the outside. He is on the announcer's table. He has the ring bell or the uh, ring hammer. And Orange Cassidy comes. He puts Orange in the headlock and nails him with the hammer. Throws him in, pins him. Says he did nothing wrong. And this only thing this did to me was solidify the fact that Orange Cassie is getting a rematch at Revolution and Orange Cassie is going to win at Revolution and get his first taste of gold. This is far, far from over. And I think because Pac has gone so long without gold. And if I'm not mistaken, tell me if I'm wrong. Someone tell me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Pac supposed to be in the first ever... It, uh, all out main event or not all out. I think he was supposed to face Adam Hangman Page. Yeah, it was him. He was supposed to face Adam Hangman Page, and they wanted him to lose, but he was the champ of another com- company, and he did not want to lose, be pinned clean as their champion. So they had to switch it to where pa- uh, Page fought someone else. But I remember he was so adamant, "Hey, I'm their world champ. I should not be losing on live television." While I'm their champ. Um, and they said, okay. And um, they got out of it somehow. 
But um, that's all this did for me is say, okay, orange, orange time is coming, a revolution for sure. And so, but this was, this was, and I think, and it felt like with this match, they were holding back. I feel like with this match, it was a lot of just pop and circumstance and the Orange Cassidy appeal, and stuff, which is fine. Because I feel, because I just got the feeling they're going to run this back and this is, and they're going to do, and they're going to put on a hell of a show. And that's when Orange gets the win. Next up was the fatal four way for the interim women's championship Tony Storm, Britt Baker, Athena, and Serena Deeb. This was good. And the standout was Athena. Athena, once again, just remind me of how good she is, dude. And she had did this one spot where she had Serena Deeb in a Samoan uh, Samoan drop position. She caught Britt, no, no, she had Britt Baker in a Samoan drop uh, position. She caught Serena Deeb in a fade on a, a fallaway slam position. She dropped them both, ended up busting Britt Baker's nose in the process. She was all over the place. Her selling was magnificent and everything. And, um,. It was just, just. I thought this was a really good match. Um, I, I don't think the crowd cared too much, honestly. Um, but I thought it was a, a fun match. Tony Storm got the win, pinning Britt Baker. And then Jamie Hayter came out. And then Jamie Hayter decided to side with Britt Baker, which is not a popular decision right now. It's like people are waiting for her to truly break away. And so... Um, this was not a popular decision, but what it led to was, first of all, you hear some badass music playing. I was like, who the fuck is this about to come out? And all of a sudden, you see Saria, a.k.a. the former Paige. And she comes out and to a loud ovation, and I don't know what she's going to do, because she still has not been cleared to wrestle. Let's put that out there. She has not been cleared to wrestle as of right now. Um, and publicly, she has not been. Remember, I think it was earlier this summer, how it was revealed that Corey Graves has been cleared to um, wrestle, um, but he probably doesn't want to, but she wants to wrestle. But as of right now, publicly, she's not been cleared to wrestle. So I don't know what she's going to do. She got Monster Pop. Um, I think people always love her. I've always loved Paige. Um, she's just super gorgeous, obviously. She was very good, very good in the ring, but hasn't wrestled in years, so she would definitely need to... Get some of that, uh, I don't know if it's ring rust or just nerves out or whatever. But this was an interesting move. And it's funny because I just read an article and I didn't write it down in my notes. I just read an article like this morning or Tuesday morning. This I think it was this morning though. How um, like like earlier in the summer, AEW had talks with her. And I was like, what, what were they talking about? They're like, what did, a manager role? Like, <sighs> She can talk, I just, I just uh, you know, um, but I don't know. But she's here now, and we got to see what she's going to do. And then finally in the main event, John Moxley, Brian Danson, the co-founders of the Blackpool Combat Club, with MJ in the, MJF in the stands watching, had another banger of a match. They had a great banger of a match. This time, it wasn't Moxley getting the surprise pin on Danielson. It was Moxley choking Brian Danielson, but these two had a these two had a fire fucking main event. And Grand Slam, Brian Danielson's been in two World Title matches, and he's 0-1-1. One, one. 
He just can't get the big one at this place. It's, it's not working for him so far. Um, but he him and Moxley just have great chemistry. And Moxley's become a three-time AEW World Champion now. Um, obviously, we know that where this is going. So when we, we already talked about that. We need to go there. But I thought the beginning and the end was fire. Uh, the, the acclaim versus Swerve and Glory was disappointing. But it was predictable. We knew what was going to happen there. Um, I thought the women's match was, was good, but I thought Athena was definitely the standout. And I definitely think if they have no one else in place, no other ideas, if Saria is not going to be wrestling, which she sh- if she's not, that's fine. They need to heat Athena back up and get her in that TBS title picture and f- find a way for her to beat Jade. So, anyways, that is your Wednesday show for the week, or your wrestling Wednesday show for the week. Programming note, this Friday... We have special content interview. I did it on Monday. Uh, we had fun. We went a little over an hour. Um, and I actually had to stop it because I seen it. I was like, look, I was like, damn, it's about to be like an hour and 10 minutes. Like, Let me stop. Because we could have gone for three hours. Um, but this was fun. Um, please check it out. Like, uh, It's a musical guest, just to, just, just to get that out the way. Um, but in last, last time I had uh, ZYG on, you guys really liked it. But that was like last summer. It was over a year ago. Um, but this is somebody who's about to drop an album and we've done work before and anyone who's followed me on, on, on any platform musically, you guys have heard this, you guys have heard this verse, you guys heard this verse this person did. Um, I, I said, we both just talked about doing it. He said, he wanted to come on. I said, sure, let's, let's do this. And that was it. And so, uh, that's all we had to do. So it was fun. I enjoyed it at least personally. Um, I think you guys would enjoy it too. And extra content this week. And so um, that is, you guys are here for me again this week. <laughs> One more show. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Hope you guys have a blessed weekend. I'm the Slow Chemical. And you, and you, and you, I mean we, you, and we are out. <laughs>